Shalom, welcome to Tanakh Study. This is Alex Israel from Alon Shvut. Delighted to be with you. And today we intend to finish uh, Parshat Breshit, and we're going to start with Perak Hay, which begins Zeh Sefer Trudot Adam. This is the story of the generations of man. And I want to start off by saying something about well, what we go out to read. We're about to read a chapter, which is a genealogical chapter. And uh, we, I would like to say a couple of words about these genealogies. The first thing is to say that we say Zes Sefer Tzodot Adam. This is the story, or this is the book of the generations, or maybe Toldot from the word Leida, the progeny of Adam, or the uh, descendants of Adam. We've already had a Toldot, chapter two, verse four. Ela Toldot Hashamayim v'haaretz b'hibara'am. Uh, these were the progeny of Shemaim Va'aretz. And we might even say that what is the descendants of Shemaim Va'aretz? It is man who is created from, Ada, from Adama, Adam from Adama, the animals, etc. What I want to point out is that Sefer Breshit is a book of Toladot. You know, we rely on the chapters of our Tanakh, but the chapters are of Christian origin Verses are Jewish, the paragraphing is Jewish, the parshiot hashavua uh, that we have, our weekly Torah reading um, is a, a Jewish origin, even though there were different ways of reading in Eretz Yisrael and Bavel. But how is a book organized? We talk about chapters. Each book has its own structure. One of the ways of structuring Sefer Breshit is through toldot, through units organized and if you want introduced with genealogies or with this sort of phrase of Toledot, what do I mean by that? There are 10 uh, segments of Sefer Breshit which have the heading of Toledot. Chapter 2, verse 4. Ela Toledot HaShamay Baretz Bimara Am. Chapter 5, as we just uh, read. Ze Sefer Toledot Adam. We're going to see another Toldot right at the beginning of Noach. Ela Toldot Noach, which tells the story of the flood and tells the story of Noach's three children. Then we're going to have in uh, chapter um, chapter 10, Ela Toldot Bene Noach. These are the children of the sons. Of, these are the generations or the progeny of the sons of Noach, followed by chapter 11 verse 10 Ela Toldot Shame we focus in on shame later we're going to have Ela Toldot Terach Ela Toldot Ishmael Parshat Toldot which is Ela Toldot Yitzchak which tells the story of Yitzchak's children Yaakov and Esav and when we say goodbye to Esav we say Ela Toldot Esav and of course at the beginning of Parshat Vayeshev Ela Toldot Yaakov Yosef Ben Shiva Esrei Shana the story of Yosef and his brothers, the story of Yaakov's children, is also called Toldot. So when we read a genealogical chapter, we should realize we're sort of shifting into, it's almost as if the Toldot are the indexed markers. If we have a book that we read nowadays, there is an index. Where do the chapters begin? We're notching to a different stage here. We've spoken about the beginnings, the Toldot Shammai Ba'aretz, we've spoken about Adam and Chava and Cain, but now suddenly we're opening a new uh, segment, a new chapter, which is going to take us in a new direction. And um, here, as I've already mentioned in previous 
class. Uh, this Sefer Toldot is different in nature from what we've seen before. You know, we've already seen a genealogy, and it was the genealogy of Cain, of Cain. And in six short verses, including Lamech's um, song, we quickly went through seven generations. Seven generations, you can take a look. It starts in chapter 4, verse 16, uh, or 17, and uh, quickly we went through generation and generation until verse 22, what have you. We can just rattle them off. Our chapter has 32 verses. And that is because here there is a specific pattern, as we will see. You know what, let's read from the beginning. These are the generations, or maybe better put, these are the progeny of Adam. On the day that, beyond Baroah Elohim, Adam bidmut Elohim Asauta, on the day that God made man, or Adam, he was made in the image of God. Male and female were created. Both male and female were called Adam on the day of their creation. And now we go into the pattern. That was the, that was the preamble. Adam lived 130 years. Interesting, just like man is created with Tzalem Elohim, so likewise Adam gives birth to somebody who is in his image and he is called Sheit Adam Adam lived 800 years after this and now we see the summary he lived 930 years every single paragraph here has the same pattern okay first we have the a person the, the person in the in the line who lived X number of years, fathered a particular son, lived Y years after that, and the sum total is X plus Y. What you'll notice here, though, is obviously this is very directed. We only mention one other, one progeny for each child. And then we have the line, by the way, about Adam too. Vayoled banim uvanot. We don't know about Adam's other children, Vayoled, Banim, Uvanot. We just know about three, Cain, Hevel, and Sheit. Why are we only singling out one in each generation? Because here, if you want, if the Cain genealogy was there to show us about the way that Cain moved through to Lemech and that this line was to be deflected, this line was to be seen as corrupting itself, we almost have a celebration of, as we say in the fifth parak of Avot, ten generations from Adam to Noach, we're going through explaining a line which uh, of, of civilization which we see as particularly religious, particularly attuned to God. And as we've already mentioned, many, many of the names of each of this group um, seem very, very connected. So, for example, we have instead of Cain, we have Canaan, and instead of Hanoch, we have Anosh, and instead of Mechuyael, uh, we have Mahalalel, and instead of Metushael, we have Metushelach, and we have a Lemech and a Lemech. Um, the names are similar because it wants us to contrast these two lines, who, on the one hand, we saw Cain's line, who are violent although they are incredibly creative, or maybe despite their creativity, they use their creativity in order to bolster their position, to get rid of the opposition. They view the 
clemency which is extended to Cain as a blessing on what he did and embrace violence as a way of life, whereas we will see the line of Shait are very, very different. We've already seen that the line of Shait is different because we read at the end of chapter 4 that in the days of Enosh, Hashem, in the days of Enosh they called out in God's name. These people are tuned towards God. Let's keep reading through the chapter quickly and we will go through the, the line and see some of the interesting uh, people in this line. So, lived he lived after that 807 years. He lived 912 years. You'll see that all the people in this chapter seem to reach the sort of 900 year age. And uh, we're going to have to talk about this, that the people pre-the pre flood are all living about 900 years. Uh, after the flood, before Migdal Bavel, about 400 years, and after Migdal Bavel, after the Tower of Babel, they're all living about 200 years till the years get much closer to the 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 level that we that we are used to in our in our civilization. Okay, uh, verse nine. And nothing special is mentioned here about Enosh. Enosh lives 90 years and he gives birth to Canaan. But here Enosh achrei holi doit Canaan. Chamesh esrei shana or shmona meot shana. 815 years. He had many children. But notice again, the only one who's mentioned here is Canaan. Enosh. To summarize, Enosh lived. Chamesh shana mucha meot shana. 905 years. Vayamot. And he died. Vayichi Canaan shivim shana. Canaan lived 70 years. Vayoled et mahalalel. He gives birth to Mahalalel. Canaan, after he gave birth to Mahalalel, lived uh, 840 years. Had other children. Again, the summary, 910 years. Notice how each paragraph ends with Vayamot. And he died. Because we'll see one... Um, Anomaly in a minute. He lived uh, 65 years. After Yered um, was born, Mahalala lived for 830 years. And had other children. Eight hundred ninety-five years. Sixty-two years. One hundred and sixty-two years. And Chanoch was born. Lives Chamesh uh, Shimshana, sixty-five years. Vayolod et Metushalach. He gives birth to Metushalach. Vayitalech Chanoch et Elohim. And Chanoch walked with God. Acharei Holidot Metushalach. After he gave birth to Metushalach, Shlosh Miot Shana. For three hundred years, Vayolod Banim Uvanot. Vayikoli Me Chanoch Chamesh Chamesh Shimshana or Shlosh Miot Shana. Chanoch lived three hundred sixty-five years. Vayitalech Chanoch et Elohim. And Chanoch, for the second time, it's mentioning walked with God, 
and he was no more, Kilakach Oto Elohim. Hanoch is the seventh generation, and he lives an interesting number of years, 365 years, there are 365 days in the solar year, almost a perfect life, 365 times 365. And we have this interesting phrase, Vayithalech Hanoch Et Elohim. Maybe you remember in chapter 2 that God was Mithalech in the gun. He walked, he walked in the garden. We might remember the verse about Noach, Et Elohim, Noach Ish Sadik, Tamim Hayabadorotav, Noach was a righteous man, perfect in his generations. He walked with God, Et Elohim, Italech Noach. Noach walked with God. Here also we have Hanoch, the seventh generation, seven, always a special number, who walks with God. Uh, we might remember also Avraham Avinu, who in chapter 17, God commands him, Hitalech lefanai tamim. Um, that you should walk with me and be perfect. So this idea of walking with God certainly indicates that Hanoch was somebody exceedingly special. Um, and uh, in the words of, for example, uh, Rashi, Sadikaya, uh, that he was righteous, um, and the Lakachotolahim, God took him before his time, according to Rashi. Why? Because the generations were getting more and more evil. And this perfect person, God did not want him to be spoiled, to be influenced by the generation. Interesting comment. Even a tzaddik can be negatively affected by his environment. Um, Radak goes in a slightly different direction. He says that this man, Hanoch, Sam kol cheshko el. He put all of his desire into love of God for Ha'esek b'chochmot and working in the area of knowledge and reached an intense understanding of God. Ad shema asaguf till he resented his human body which was holding him down and God took him. He wasn't sick, it didn't hurt him um, but he, he died. And many people want to compare this lekicha God took him much like the way that we see later Eliyahu and Avi go up to heaven um, and just be taken uh, from the same phrase is used with Eliyahu. Um, and, but what we see here is again this seventh generation, a very special individual, Hanoch, walking with God. Um, Hanoch's son is Metushelach. Um, and how long does Metushelach live? Vayichi Metushelach Asheva Oshmonim Shana 87 years or Ma'ad Shana 187 years and gave birth to Lamech. A different Lamech of course than chapter 5. Vayichi Metushelach Acharei Oledoet Lamech Shtayim Oshmonim Shana Oshmami Oshana 782 years The summary of Metushelach's years are Teisha V'Shishim Shana He's the man who lives the longest amount of time 960 um, nine years, or Chamiot, sorry, 969 years, yes, Vayamot, and he died. So that's Metushelach, his son is Lamech, Vayichi Lamech, Shtaim, or Shmonim Shana, or Ma'at Shana, 182 years, Vayolet Ben, and he had a son. This is already, we're getting to the 10th generation. Vayikrayat Shemo, in other words, Chanoch the 7th, Metushelach the 8th, Lamech the 9th, and now this son. Who is this son? Vayikrayat Shemo Noach. He calls him Noach. This is also an anomaly, an aberration from the pattern, because in all the others it just said their name. But now it gives us a midrash shame, a reason for the name. And he called him Noach Lemar, and this Lamech, 
calls him Noach, saying, Let this one give us comfort from our actions and from the bitterness of our hands, from the land which God cursed. Noach lived after the birth of Noach, uh, 500 what is this name given to Noach? First of all, I'd love to contrast the two Lemechs, right? And maybe with this, we will realize that we have a contrast between the line of Shate, um, who in the Second generation or third generation, Hanoch uh, already serves God. Sorry, Enosh serves God. Um, Hanoch, the seventh generation, uh, walks with God. And now we have Noach, who is meant to provide some sense of relief uh, for the bitterness of our hands and the curse of the land. This Lemech is totally different. He's looking for relief, for a reduction in bitterness, whereas the other Lemech in the line of Cain, in the line of Cain, was dedicated, certainly if we took them, take our second explanation last time, according to the Malbim, was dedicated to violence. Um, what, though, was Lemech's hope for his son? Why did Lemech feel that Noach would provide some sort of comfort from the bitterness of our hands and the the earth which god has cursed and of course this is referring back to the curse of adam somehow we feel that adam's curse should be rolled back what did lemach see in his son was this just a mere hope we've been living with bitterness again what does rashi say rashi says that um noach invented the plow that until noach came along uh you would uh try and create agriculture, and there'll be thorns and sisals, kotsim v'dardarim, um, ever since the first Adam, Adam Arishon, but suddenly with a plough, they could get rid of thistles and thorns which were rooted deep into the soil. And this would, uh, and this would give some sense of relief. Of course, you have to pay attention to the fact that the language used is very, very evocative and reminds us of the curses of Gan Eden, Recall the phrase there where The land should be cursed. You will eat it with bitterness. And here, Noah is meant to Rashi might be right. It might be that Noah invented the plough. But Rashbam um, says something even more poignant here. And he says that if you total up the years of the world until this point and work everything out according to uh, the numerical um, numbers here. He says, That Noach is the first child to be born in this genealogy after the death of Adam. With the death of Adam, they saw maybe or hoped maybe, and they called this child Noach as if to say, Maybe now that Adam is dead, the curse will, the spell will be broken and the curse on the land will be broken. And in order to mark the death of Adam, 
they knew about this curse, they were cognizant, and they were hoping that Noach would bring relief. Noach did bring relief, but in a very different way that his father Lemech had anticipated and had expected. Um, so I just want to deal with this sort of anticipation and this resurfacing of this land of this language of this itzavonya uh, denu, the 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 bitterness um, of our hands, because this is going to be very very significant. How do we know Noach is a special person? Well, we'll see the verses later on next time. But even interestingly enough, chapter 5, verse 32, we're coming to the end of chapter 5. Again, a very interesting paralleling between the line of Cain and the line of um, of, of Shait. Uh, the end of Cain's line is, of course, Lemech, who has three children, Yuval, Tuval, Cain, and, and Yaval, three children. Here also, the end of this line is Noach, who has three sons. But he only gives birth to these sons at age 500. Uh, much, much later, most of the people here give birth to a son for anything from age 60 to age 170, and suddenly having children, these three sons, at age 500. Some uh, ex- explain it, the Noach knew there would be a flood, and he wasn't interested in these sons being destroyed in the flood, but we do know that difficulty in fertility is something which accompanies special people and special families in the Tanakh. All of the Imahot Karot had difficulty conceiving. Could it possibly be that this is another sign that Noach is a special person, that Noach is a tzaddik, that he is somebody who is going to take the spiritual vision forward? So what I've tried to do in reading chapter 5 is to contrast it with chapter 4, the line of Cain being in a negative contrast with the line of of, uh, of Shait. We've finished chapter 5 and I want to quickly start getting into chapter 6 and the lead up to the flood. The psukim we're going to read now, chapter 6, verse 1 to 4, are some of the most cryptic, some of the most difficult in the whole of the Chumash. The, it refers to things that we don't really understand. I'm going to read it and give a few explanations, uh, but we're going to deal with it very briefly. Chapter 6, verse 1. When mankind began to swarm over the face of the Adama, the land, and they had daughters, interestingly enough, daughters. The sons of God, Beneha Elohim, saw the daughters of man, that they were good. They took women from whatever they chose. God said, My spirit is not going to reside in man forever. He is only flesh. And he's only going to live for 120 years. Does that mean, option A, that the ages of humans will be reduced down to 120 years? I will cut them down to size. One explanation. Another option here is, in 120 years, if they haven't shaped up, I will bring the flood. The Nephilim, possibly giants, were in the land during those times. And also afterwards, when the Bnei Elohim were intimate with the Benot Adam, Adam, and they had children, they are the mighty ones, Hashem Olam and Hashem. 
who for all time have been the men of shame, the men of repute. What is going on in this paragraph? In order to explain it, I want to still read the next paragraph. Vayar Hashem ki Adam God saw that the evil of Adam, of humans in the world, was great. And all the thoughts of their heart were rakra, were exclusively evil, bad, all day. And God regretted or changed his mind about making humankind in the world. Pay attention to that word. And God felt bitter in his heart. I'm going to wipe out, I'm going to dissolve man which I created from the face of the earth. From human to animal to even the crawling things and the birds. I regret that I made them. We're leading into the flood. And what exactly were those strange verses about the sons of God and the daughters of man and the giants and the giborim? Let's begin by trying to understand the framework here. And maybe I'll start with a perspective from Lechama Leibowitz who wrote a wonderful article called The Decline of Man. And she says that if you think about it, the flood, as we say, was in the year 1656. Um, 1656, my goodness. Um, 1,600 years of history. And what have we heard? We heard about the creation in chapter 1 and 2. But then we heard in chapter 3, the sin of Adan and Chava. Chapter 4, the first murder, the sin of Cain. Lemech, a murderous society. And now, the beginning of chapter 6. And she calls this the decline of man. We see very hand-picked stories from this 1,600 years of civilization. But what God is explaining is how we reach from creation to destruction. And there is a word which expresses this. When we saw the world created, the key word was Fayar Elokim Kitov. God saw it was good. It was even Tov Ma'od. Soon man was given a choice. He found out about the tree where he could be Yodea Tovara. He had a choice between good and bad. And what does man choose? What does humankind choose? Um, I, I will say even even more than that, that uh, we saw that in the case of Cain, Cain also have a, had a choice. If you want to be good, you will have uplift. Could Cain be good? These uh, In this generation, when man began to swarm over the face of the land and they had daughters, the Bnei Elohim saw the Benot Adam Kitovotena. Again, they looked at them being tov, but how did they act? Well, I'll tell you how they act. God saw ki raba ra'at adam. Instead of good is ra'a. The opposite of tov is ra. The opposite of good is evil. God saw that as man began to swarm, la rova adama, raba ra'at adam. The evil of man had expanded and swarmed and now every thought of his heart was Ra. And this is when God decides to, God himself begins to feel Itzavon. We said that Adam was cursed with Itzavon. Chava was cursed that she would give birth, but Itzavon, 
The hope of Noach was that Noach would be able to roll back the Itzavon, the bitterness of the world, but now it is God rather than man feeling the bitterness as he is going to destroy the world. And therefore we see a very powerful chiasm as this great hope of this Tov Ma'od that the world is. God really feels amazing um, anthropomorphic language here. Vayitat save Elibor. God feels bitterness and sadness in his heart. His care for man that we saw right in the beginning, how God cared that man was lonely and God instructed man. Now he's going to have to destroy it all. What did he see in the flood generation that was so evil? What happened? And our only information is these four cryptic psukim about the sons of God and the daughters of man. Who are the sons of God and the daughters of man? There are three explanations here. I'm going to focus on the third that I will bring. The first is very, very mythic. And it says that there were some sort of uh, sons of God, fallen angels or something like that. You will find this in many of the books of Bayit Shani. It will be mentioned in uh, Pir- uh, the Midrash Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer. The Ramban mentions it in his final explanation. Um, Professor Kasuto mentions this. And then we'll see some sort of, sounds very mythic and almost not Jewish, some sort of uh, godly beings who commune with the daughters of, 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 of uh, human, human women. And the assumption is that they want to create mighty, mighty beings. And God is saying, They're only flesh. I'm not going to let them ruin my world. I'm not going to let them become the giborim, the mighty people who will rule the world by might. I'm taking their society down. Others, the Abarbanel amongst them, Rav Hirsch amongst them, have suggested that the Benota Elohim and the Benota Adam are two streams of humankind. Maybe the sons of Cain and the daughters of Shait. The sons of Cain are taking over the world. But I'm going to go with the explanation of Rashi, um, also adopted by the Ramban and many other medieval commentators, who read the story in the following way. Elohim in, the, in, in, in Chumash can also mean the judges. Uh, we find that Ad Elohim in, in Shemot Chafet, that the Beit Din are called the Elohim. Elohim lo tekalel amcha lo ta'or. Um, sometimes Elohim means a, a leader. And this is how Rashi reads the these verses in chapter 6. He says, what is going on here? That the Bnei Elohim are the Bnei Hasarim Hashoftim, The people leading society, the government, the forces of law and order, who looked at themselves as Bnei Elohim, um, took Benot Adam, Mikola Sherbacharu. They decided they could have their way with women, um, even take married women possibly, or as Rashi quotes here, Kitovot Hena, what did it mean that they were good? Rashi quotes a Midrash when they were getting themselves ready to go to the Chupa. These local lords and barons and squires would come along and seize the bride and take her and be intimate with her instead of her being intimate with her husband. This is something which uh, people knew from Roman society as prima noctus, a way of humiliating a population by seizing a bride and the local um, centurion or whatever it would be um, seizing her for sexual purposes. What we see is the 
breakdown of society, of the forces of law, the Bnei Elohim, the people who are meant to be holding society together, have become disregardful of the law themselves. And they're using their privileged position in order simply to take advantage uh, sexual crimes, maybe property crimes, because later we see the notion of Hamas, violence, which will take away people's possessions, or be a way of uh, creating a sexually degenerate society, then God turns around and says, this society, I cannot abide. The first sin was a rebellion against God. That was Adam and Chabah's sin. The second sin, a violent sin. I said maybe even we could describe it as hot-blooded murder. Lemech brings cold-blooded murder, but in this generation, the Bnei Elohim coming against the Benot Adam, society has become absolutely lawless people who have the power and here I see actually the three explanations coalescing whether these are some sort of mythic beings who come along and find their way with the women the human women whether we see it as the sons of Cain coming on the daughters of Shait or whether we see it as the forces of law and order who are taking whichever women in society they like and just disregarding any sense of of, of propriety um, this becomes a frightening society when the people who have the power prey on the people who don't have the power and suddenly we have this terrible, dark, lawless, evil society and God says, man might be swarming over the land but if if every single thought he has is absolutely evil then God's pain is intense because he regrets making man and he says notice the language is so evocative of the Bereshit chapter I will destroy man who I created uh, the same order of creation but in reverse I'm going to roll the entire thing back and the optimism with which uh, Bereshit opened with Vayhi Or with light and goodness ends up with terribly and sadly when I read this Muftir I'm so sad the end of Bereshit ends with darkness, with evil, and with bitterness. Not a bitterness which is given to man for his sin, but God's bitterness. Sorry to end on this sad note, but this indeed is the way that Bereshit ends. And Ezra Hashem in our next class will start picking up the trail, actually going back to these Pesukim, but understanding the beginning of Parashat Noach. Um, I assume you're going to be listening to this on uh, Sukkot, so wish everybody a Chak Sameach. And look forward to learning with you as we move past Bereshit into Noah. Thank you.